One of the uh, great privileges of being pastor here at Pittman Park is that you have somebody else to read the scripture. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't me that was up there against that word, when. <laughs> <coughs> the church is a great place to find belonging and purpose, isn't it? You know this. We've been focusing on this, especially the last couple of weeks, as we come together to be fully connected with the church, one of the ways in which we do that is to give ourselves to membership vows. Now, what I want to say to you is I know that not everybody here is a member of Pittman Park Church, but if in sharing this information, it interests you to become a member, we would celebrate that. So simply mention that to me and let me know that. Um, and we will be happy to help you to become a member. But whatever state you are in right now, we want you most to belong and to feel a part of what's going on here. And one of the things that drives the goodness that is a part of Pittman Park Church are the words of commitment that are in that membership vow. For when someone comes to join the church, we pledge to uphold the United Methodist Church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Those five things. Very simple and easy to remember. But it takes a lifetime to discover the depth of each of those words. Today we're focusing on our commitment to uphold the church with our gifts. We are prone to monetize that word gift and to turn it into some way in which we take what is in our pocketbooks or our wallets and let that represent surely what must have been intended in the membership vows. And I do not want to minimize or discredit the need for financial gifts for the church is always in need of financial gifts. And by our giving in that way, we actually fund the ministry that is a part of the larger church, not only here at Pittman Park, but also the connectedness that we have in missions with every other United Methodist Church around this planet. And so I want to encourage you to be strong in your giving in that way. But that type of giving does not represent everything. I remember when we moved to Lyons, Georgia. Now this was years and years ago. But there was a precious soul there. And uh, she was an elderly member of the congregation then. And she's now passed. But she, uh, she needed a visit 
shortly after our having arrived, somebody told me, go by and see Miss Myrtle. And so I don't think we had been there two days and I was knocking on her screen door there at the back of her house. You know, that door that when you knock it, it knocks again, you know. And uh, it, she had a very simple uh, setting in which she lived. And she came to the door and I said, Miss Myrtle, I'm your new preacher. And she said, I know who you are. I've seen pictures of you. And uh, she said, come on in. And I had not set but one foot over the threshold of her house. And she said to me, she said, I want you to know I'm a tither. I, I, it's not often that people go around saying that to me. I'm a tither. Maybe because uh, they're humble and they don't want me to know that. Or maybe because they're not tithers. But this one precious lady wanted me to know that she was invested and that she took her membership vows very seriously. And you could sense that in all that she said and the way in which she lived. She had a son and a daughter who were very precious to her. When Miss Myrtle died, her daughter could not bear to do anything with her mother's little trinkets and gatherings in of clothing and shoes and drawers that were packed with what she could not even go through because it was such an emotional thing. And so she left everything there for months. Finally, the daughter convinced herself to go in and to go through some of the drawers in her bedroom. And when she opened one drawer, immediately cards began to spill out of that drawer. And she realized that her mother had kept every card, every card she had ever given her. Do you have a drawer like that at home? Let me tell you, that was meaningful to that daughter of hers. And she sat down and began to go through those cards and to remember when she wrote those, when she was in her 30s, when she was in her 20s, when she was in her teens, when she was a little girl growing up in that house. Those cards were still right there. And at the bottom of that drawer, her mother had written her a personal note, knowing that she would go through that drawer, but not knowing when. Her mother had written her a personal note and put it there in that drawer. And these were the words that she wrote. She said, I know you will survive without me. I'm going to be watching over you because I do believe there is a God. I want you to know that I'll be somewhere still thinking about you and loving you and waiting for you. That daughter came to visit me. We were living in another town at that point. <clears throat> and she shared this with me. And she said, this is the best gift my mother has ever given me. Now, 
I'm sure she could have counted off so many ways in which her mother had been providing for her all of her life. But this particular gift was something that was going to go with her until her own dying day. The best gift her mother could have given. How is it that you think about gifts? How is it that you process that in your mind? Are you limited in it so that when you think about giving to the church, that it is this dutiful thing that you do with money in order to help the church do its work and to reach out in missions? Or does it go further than that for you? Are you constantly driven by the idea Maybe there is some other way that the Spirit wishes for me to make myself available for the work that God can do in this world. I, I read a story in the news just recently and I was fascinated with it. Do y'all know who Yo-Yo Ma is? This world-renowned cellist. I mean, it's incredible. And if you do not know his music, you need to just Google that this afternoon watch a few YouTube videos, but it is incredible the way he can make a cello speak. I understood from the article that I read that he went to get his COVID vaccine shot. This was like six weeks or, or eight weeks ago, something like that. And that he was standing in line. That was back in the day when you had to stand in line. Let me put a plug in here, okay? You don't have to stand in line to get a COVID shot anymore. But he had had to stand in line there. And as he realized that he was having to wait a while, then after having received the shot, it came to him, maybe I can bless these people. And so he stepped out to his car and got his cello and brought it in to the area where the shots were being given and just did an impromptu concert right there for the group in that room. Can you imagine this world-renowned cellist making the decision to do that? I mean, I can imagine a, a lot of very talented people thinking to themselves, this room doesn't befit the kind of talent that I have. But now Yo-Yo Ma, Yo-Yo Ma begins playing the cello and everyone in that room was captivated by the beauty of the music. It's interesting what you can do with just a little bit of prayerful thought. I knew a lady who used to drive around with a trunk literally full of very nice children's clothes that she had either purchased or gleaned that were just gorgeous children's clothes. And whenever, in the little town in which she lived, whenever she saw a child who appeared to need clothing, she would simply stop and open her trunk and say to the parent that was nearby, I happen to have some clothes that I think would fit her if you would like to take a look. You can choose what you would like. 
And she blessed so many people because she had a different concept of how God was calling her to give. Don't you know it's like this with every child that wants to give their mother a special gift today and yet they have nothing <laughs> they have nothing and they think to themselves what can I color or what can I go outside and pick can you imagine a child seeing dandelions even in the neighbor's yard and going and picking the dandelions you know in order to bring that little bunch of weeds and what does the mother say oh this is the most special gift that I have received today and embraces the child. Now this is the mothering that is supposed to go on. I know that it's not always like that, but this is the mothering that we dream and hope ourselves into. The mother who wraps arms around the child who brings the thing that they think will be most pleasing. Now here at Pittman Park, we have so embrace the larger concept of giving that I see this going on everywhere I look. I walked into the kitchen just about a week ago and there was a group of fellows there that were preparing a meal for us to eat. I think they had prepared it for me, it was ziti. It was just so, so good. Um, but, um, but what was Truly the blessing, the, the blessing was truly part of that was eating the meal. But a greater blessing for me was having gone into the kitchen to see just the beauty of how they were relating and how they were enjoying. They weren't doing it out of duty. They were doing it because they wanted to be there and to give time and effort in order to prepare that meal. That is a beautiful, beautiful way to give. It's, it really harkens back to that passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians that we all know so well, the Apostle Paul writing about what love is, the gift of love. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love I am nothing if I give away all my possessions just think about this and if I hand over my body so that I may boast and in some it's translated that I may be burnt so that I may be offered up but do not have love I gain nothing Love is that precious ingredient of giving. When we say, I will uphold the church with my gifts, it is a demotion of the concept of giving if we only confine it to that which is monetary. The book of Philippians is filled with great, great memory verses. In fact, I made a list of some of the ones that I just, just think on and reflect on. And you know this one. 
don't you? Let's say it together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful thought? And over and over again throughout the book, you can find these gems. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Have you heard this one before? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it. Rejoice. What about this one? I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is all from this little book, four chapters. Here's another one. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. My favorite is in the second chapter of Philippians where it says, Let this same mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus who did not count equality with God something that should be held on to. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. Isn't that incredible when you think about it? Boy, what was afoot. What was afoot in these writings? But you know one passage that I think we skip over and don't give credit nearly enough to is this passage that is found in the reading today where the Apostle Paul says, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. Think about this again. Let me read it. No church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. Why? Because the Philippian Christians got it. Now, we don't know. You know, I can imagine there was a monetary component to their giving, but we don't know that it was limited in any way to that. Can you imagine Paul sitting there and writing and ref reflecting and pouring over his thoughts about this fragrant offering that was being given. Monetary? Or was it food? Or maybe it was housing? Or maybe it was companionship, friendship that they were offering. And it was so absolutely beautiful to him that he could think of nothing else there in prison but to tell them how precious it was and how much it had meant. There are so many ways to give, I tell you. So many ways to give. Especially when you look through the eyes of love. One of my very favorite gospel stories is the story after Jesus is raised from the dead and he's standing at the edge of the seashore and his disciples have gone back to fishing. You remember the story? And how there from a distance he coaxes them, toss your nets on the other side, on the other side of the boat, even though they'd been out all night fishing, no luck. Toss your nets on the other side and when they did, 
They could not pull the net in, it was so full of fish. And John turned to Peter and said, it's our Lord, as if Peter was not getting it. Although he was very known for not getting it. And Peter, Peter pulls his BVDs on and jumps into the water and swims to shore. And standing there on the shore, Jesus already has cooked up some salt fish. And then after breakfast, engages Peter in this conversation where he says, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord. And then Jesus says to him, well, I'm glad we cleared that up. No, that's not what happened, was it? <laughs> Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. And in fact, three times this was repeated. And each time, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And why was it that Jesus was pressing this with Peter? I think it's because he knew that his redemption was in putting that love into action. You get this, don't you? Don't you get a sense that in the midst of giving, that something happens that is of the Spirit? Only something that God could do. I'm still amazed at what people can do. I had a friend in high school when I was in my early 30s. Life was just beginning. For him, his parents were killed in a tragic automobile accident. In fact, he was in the back seat with his new, newly beloved wife. And he and his wife survived the accident. My friend's parents were killed instantly. When my friend and his wife got to the point that they could leave the hospital, he said, I'll do it. I'll take care of the other 12 children that are still at home, my brothers and sisters. Now, this was family, granted. But it was not something that he chose or would ever have considered doing otherwise. But he knew that life and God we're choosing him at that moment. Have you been chosen for giving in a special way? I'm reminded of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Don't we know that one? Two preacher looking like fellas walking down the street, crossed by, and didn't pause. Just gave this fellow that was dying a glance but this Samaritan who had compassion stopped and did whatever it would take because who else was going to do it and Jesus knew that this was the nature of true giving this is a great photo from Compassion International. I love this picture. This is a great photo 
I don't know the story behind it. I have no clue what the story is behind it. I imagine that this child has been helped in some way and perhaps the child's mother has been helped in some way by the giving that has been a part of this mission agency. But I have no idea what their story is. But just in looking at it, I can tell that much love has been poured into these lives. Can you see it? In their eyes, in their smile, you can see that something beautiful has happened and transformed life for them. Our vow to uphold the church with our gifts must, must be saturated with love. And so I ask you, how are you doing with that part of your membership? Wow.